The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Money in Your Life, the radio program that gives you the insight and motivation to be more successful with all aspects of your personal finances. Your hosts are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today's program will feature experts and intriguing ideas that will show you how money is actually operating in your life. Now, here are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Welcome to Money in Your Life, a weekly show where we explore the influence of money in your life. I'm Brian Farr. And I'm Ann Hutchins. Today we are talking about couples and money. In our work as financial coaches, Anne and I have learned that money can be a very challenging topic for couples. There are lots of hot buttons when we talk about money. Uh, this topic covers can touch into safety and security in the world, uh, our status with family and friends, uh, and certainly the opportunities for the future. So when money, the word money comes up or the topic of money comes up, a lot of different things are happening. And so for couples, communication is going to be a key issue. And what are some of your thoughts as we get started here today? Well, the issue that you raise about communication, Brian, is really key. And one of the things that is a challenge, and I think we'll talk about it, I hope we'll talk about it with Lachelle, is a lot of couples say, oh, I don't have time. I can't, I don't have time to make a meeting every week. We can't, I can't even make a date with my spouse, especially if you have young kids. It's really yeah. hard to find the time to talk about things beyond the schedule or the things that are happening immediately. But it, it is really important to do. Yes. Yeah. I hear that so much from my clients. Is in, And so I've learned that that's a question that, that I'll take time and I, I'll ask them, what's a good time of day for you to do this? Which is the best day in the week? And it's interesting as we go through that process that, that without some specific times, it's it's too easy to avoid conversations that uh, that have been difficult in the past. That's right. That's right. It's just like talking about money. When you get to specifics, it gets it starts to peel the layers off the onion. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, our guest today is an expert on working with couples. She's been working with couples for many years, and she's got some very good insights on uh, how to work with the topic of money when uh, between couples. Uh, our guest, is, her name is Lachelle Lochardet. Uh, she is a specialist and uh, worked with has worked with nonviolent communication, and it's also called compassionate communication. So, Lachelle, how are you this morning? Oh, good. Good morning. Great. Welcome to Money in Your Life. Glad you're here with us. Thank you. So I know that one of the things that uh, that you and I have talked about, and Anne, when we when we were preparing, preparing for the uh, show, was the issue around partners' history of money and how that history 
isn't so much history uh, if it's if it's underneath and not being dealt with. It actually becomes part of the present. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if you could maybe start off by giving us a little some some of your thoughts on how we can uh, get get couples up to date so they're in the current they're in their current reality around money and the history isn't so dominating. Yeah, I think uh, when you think about couples getting together, there's often a period of sharing histories, but I think the history around money specifically gets left out. And so coming into creating better conversations with money with the idea that first we really need to understand what we're each bringing into this conversation from our history, good experiences and negative experiences, fears and anxieties and places that we're confident And so just really taking the time with each other to talk about what were those formative money experiences growing up and create a sense of compassion for each other around that history is is key. Mm-hmm. So, I'm so I'm curious. Uh, to, how soon do you think that? Uh, let's say a couple has been dating for a while and they're starting to say, you know, they get they're getting those feelings that wow, this might go somewhere. Mm-hmm. How how soon would you encourage couples to to open up the topic around this money history? Well, one thing about that is that as soon as we start dating someone, we are either consciously or unconsciously, already tracking that. So that's just good to notice. I mean, you're already noticing how this person spends money, how much money they have, what their priorities are, how money is divided on a date. So that's just something to kind of bring more awareness to, that you really are already looking at that. That's that's really true. That's yeah. in the background, if not, the, certainly in the background and sometimes in the foreground. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So and finding then, a... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, Lachelle. And then the the second part is, you know, it's. I think one thing we really have to remember is that it can be very, very tender. Like you said at the beginning, money is a pretty loaded topic, and there can be lots of shame and guilt and embarrassment around any part of that, not even having to do with you personally, but having to do with your parents. So sharing that history requires a certain amount of trust to already be there in the relationship, that you trust that this person can receive that part of you with, with acceptance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, the foundation of trust is what allows that conversation to open up, the conversation around money, or it's going to certainly help uh, that conversation to open up is what you're saying. Yeah, and couples who have been together for a long time can intentionally create that container and say, well, I want to, let's share our histories and let's really agree to just listen to each other without relating it to the present and just with a softness and a warmth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what what might that look like? How would you, I know that you work with, with clients directly, and mm-hmm. so if, if um, you're giving some guidance to a couple uh, at the end of a session when you're working with them, what might you tell them as they, you know, mm-hmm. for them to, during the next week or two weeks, how they could, how they could do this kind of exploration? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the most important thing is not to let fear or anxiety be the motivator for the talk. So to really be planful about it is, firstly, most important so that it's coming from your values rather than your fears. And also to choose a time when you're relatively well-rested, fed, relaxed as you can be, 
and then to start that conversation by restating your intentions. And often just holding hands or sitting in a comfortable place help, helps keep your body more calm as well. Okay. Lachelle? Yeah. With a, with a couple that's been together for a long time and built up a pattern of non-communication, how do you begin to break that down and unpack that? I think it's most important to start with really small, doable bits. So if a couple was deciding to, okay, let's, this sounds like a good idea, let's go ahead and share some of our history with money then, and they haven't been talking a lot, then they might set it up like, well, let's just start with 10 minutes. And why don't you tell one story from your history with money while we drive to dinner, and then let's not talk about it for the rest of our date tonight. So really making it little tiny bits at a time. You Mm -hmm. can build trust that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way you're saying that, it reminds me of a a teacher that I had years ago, and uh, he and his wife, they used a a three-minute egg timer. And they yeah. sat at the they sat at the table, and one of them had three minutes, the other had three minutes, and then they stopped talking about it. Yeah, they just they opened the door a little bit, and they they managed to work their way into this conversation mm-hmm. with those little little defined bites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What other ideas would you would you have for couples around this? Uh, um, any particular kinds of things around how to. Um, Bring this out. Bring the. Uh, if it, it, let's say it's this. Let's say there's something that's really shameful. There's let's maybe it's a bankruptcy or let's say it's credit card debt. That's a more common one. Mm-hmm. And one of the partners has some credit card debt and really feels bad about bringing that out. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a hot topic. How is there anything additional to what you've already said that might help in for something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's really important is to establish a a shared reality around the history, but also around the current values that each partner is holding. Mm. So before you even get into the credit card debt, agreeing to have a conversation in which you're just talking about what are our shared values for our life. Another way to talk about this in, in compassionate communication, we talk about universal needs. And you can find a list of those on my, on my website. So separating universal needs from the things that we do. So these are things like community, family, health, um, play, adventure, these um, basic needs that all of us have. And talking about that and talking about um, what's your priority in your life. And so then each partner gets to hear, okay, you're coming from these values. This is what you care about. This is, in a way, a lot of who you are in your life. And with that foundation to stand on, it's much easier to hear, okay, so this is this challenge mm-hmm. that is up for you. Right, right. Yeah. It's almost like you're, the larger context of a person's life, yeah. get, get that, get that into focus. And then when th- this episode during these years, I was you know, having trouble and I ended up with credit card debt, then that becomes something more manageable within the larger picture of a person's life. Right, because hopefully with that shared reality around values and history, the person is saying to themselves, 
oh, it's not that you're this kind of debt-getting person. You're this kind of person with these values and you had this event or you're struggling with this particular thing right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the, so you've introduced the, the idea of needs. Uh, I know in your work you talk about the, there's a, um, the needs and the strategies, that, that mm-hmm. being clear on what our needs are, and those are the universal needs, if you wanted to say some more about that, and, and then how strategies work, and what is it, walk us into that territory, if you would. Yeah, I, a lot of conflict comes from this confusion. So... Once you understand, okay, these are my core needs, or you could use the word values, um, then you realize if I separate those from the way the typical strategies or ways I go about meeting those needs, I have more space for creative negotiation in my life and with my partner. So, for example, especially with couples who've been together for a while, at some point in time, they made a, cha- uh, a choice from their values. Okay, we want this house in this neighborhood because it meets our needs for comfort or safety or whatever it was then. And being able to reexamine even big decisions like the home we live in and say, okay, we're paying this mortgage on this house, which originally met these needs for us. Can we sit down and examine does living here in the way that we're doing it still meet our needs or do we have other ways that we could meet our needs and pay a different level of mortgage on a house or live in a neighborhood that was, that's now closer to the job that you have now that you didn't have then? So really being, an exa- being able to examine those major decisions and trace them back to, is this still in alignment with what we care most about? Wow. And this is reminding me of our show last week where uh, our guest last week was talking about uh, the family values. And, right. and it's exactly what you're saying, Lachelle, that if you have the value, if you have some clarity on the values, then the strategies could be A, B, C, or D. But if you're struck in the strategies, you, you're, you're just stuck in the strategies. You're trying to get your own way or you're confused or caught up in it without having something larger to step back into these values. Right, 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 exactly. Right. You know, Lachelle, it brings up another question. The reality of today is that there are a lot of couples uh, who go through a divorce and then they start dating. And the mm-hmm. question of money becomes, uh, well, becomes something that people don't necessarily want to talk about first, but right. it is an important thing for people in their in mid-career or later in life, and how do you work with people to start to bring that up? With regards to... Their with regards to... Or? Yeah, with regards to we, we're in a relationship, I'm a little bit afraid to ask him what he has in retirement or her what she has in retirement. Is she or he financially independent? And am I going to put a throw a wet blanket on this by even talking about money. (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe an easier way to begin that conversation is to start with your relationship to money rather than the money itself. Great. So even so, if I'm wanting to bring that up with my new dating partner, then I might just start with myself. So I might say, so I'd like to tell you about how I relate to money in my life. 
for me, money is something that flows in and out, and I have this relationship of trust with money, and I spend it on education. That's what's most important to me. I don't travel a lot, but this is, this is how I relate to money. It's an asset that helps me to learn and grow, or whatever that conversation is. And then that, and that's, of course, I'm kind of leading into a more values-based conversation, but also really focusing on it's not so much the amount of money, but how we relate to that money. That's where the conflict comes in in relationship. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And on the other, and then the other end of that conversation is divorcing couples who mm-hmm. probably still need to have a conversation about money, especially if they have kids. Yeah. How how do they create that conversation? Still around values. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I'm hearing in this is is the um, it, it what's striking my it, it, the values gives us a safer foundation to stand on. Um, whereas when we move into the strategies, we're probably c- kicking up the amygdala kind of stuff. The am I safe? How's this going to look? What, what, what's going to happen here? If we can stay out of that until we get grounding uh, and get clear on what's really important to us, then we, we won't be so reactive more than likely. Well, I know I've seen that in my own, in my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that staying out of the reactivity around money, moving up. As I hear you describe it, Lachelle, it's like move up to this slowly. Find a gentle way to approach the subject of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think especially in divorce, of course, there's often so much reactivity. And I see parents wanting to kind of make a stand on what they think is right for their kids. Mm-hmm. And that stand often involves very, very specific strategies like... My child will have piano lessons and, you know, my other child will get to go to karate school. And so being able to say, I want artistic opportunities for my child, that's the values piece rather than this class or this school. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, very no, hard, but very important to even just take, a, take time and write those down on paper and separate them out every mm-hmm. time. Okay, we're going to need to pause now. Uh, it's time for a break. We're going to be back uh, with our guest, Lachelle Lochardet. And Lachelle, I'm going to ask you when we get back to, to tell us what your uh, website is when we get back. So I'm going to say that now so I don't forget. But uh, if you would like to join our conversation, please call 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. And we will be be back shortly. You have money in your life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. 
Anne Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Anne's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Brian Farr with my co-host Ann Hutchins and our guest Lachelle Lochardet. Today we're talking about couples and money. Uh, Lachelle, I know that the uh, the piece around history, um, there might be some more that we could talk about there, since it's such an important uh, it's such an important issue with couples is to to get get their history sorted out so that they can be current, so they can be in the present tense with each other rather than having the history lurking around in the in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the other piece, thing I would say about that is when you share that history. If you're able to share it, not just as a story, but also your actual emotional experience of those events. So the feelings that were up for you in those events, and then also the needs that were met or not met in those events. And that really helps your partner to connect with your experience rather than just hearing content and story about it. Okay, so help me help me unpack that a little bit. When mm-hmm. you're saying the needs that were met or not met, what might that sound like if, if I'm sitting down to talk to my partner about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if I, I think of a story from my own life when I was about 11 or 12, my dad took me to open my first savings account at the credit union. And I remember in that experience, there was this sense of, oh, he's... He supports me. He wants me to be successful. So really met my need for support and for loving care. And I had this feeling of specialness when I was with him doing that. Mm-hmm. Feeling pleased. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So then, then that, that, and the benefit of that, when, when somebody takes the risk of talking about their emotions like that, what do you see as the benefit for the couple? Yeah, when we are connected emotionally, there's a way we can hold compassion for each other that we're not able to do when it's just about content. Mm -hmm. And so that emotional connection is a much stronger layer of trust and compassion for the difficult moments of current money conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's almost like there's a a connective fabric, that that emotional... emotional, um, connections with your partner then allows for these other content things to to come into it yeah yeah more effectively okay 
All right. Um, one of the things that you've spoken about before that I always get a kick out of is, and you use the phrase of resourcing activities, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's another, it's, it, you're in the same realm of the, of the emotions, but it's very present tense. You know, when you're sitting down to have this conversation, what, what would a well-resourced conversation, what might be some of the tools that somebody could uh, be aware of as they're sitting down to have a difficult conversation? Yeah, um, appreciation. So starting a difficult situation with appreciation for each other, what I've noticed that you bring to this relationship is or what I appreciate about who you are is. Mm -hmm. So that creates that sense of abundance right there emotionally. Also, even simple things like having some cookies, if you like cookies, or your favorite comfort food or some hot tea and... Rather than sitting in hard chairs at the table, sitting on the couch where you're more comfortable, um, choosing a time of day that you're naturally most relaxed, holding hands, touch can be really important. Uh, Often I find that in working with couples, one partner is very settled by touch and the other partner it's not as important, more the verbal appreciation is what's important. So even finding out, asking your partner, what can I offer you that really helps you to relax and know that I want to be in compassion and acceptance of you and not in judgment? Because mm-hmm. right? we're often so busy judging ourselves about money that we are perceiving that our partner is judging us whether they are or not. Yeah. So really yeah. Reassurance. yeah, we had a caller who called in a couple of shows ago and said that she and her husband had made a practice of setting time aside, which made a big difference for their conversation because previously she would think of something while he was brushing his teeth, for example. (laughs) So so making that mindful choice about really setting aside time and having the conversation and giving it the attention that it deserves along with the resourcing that you're talking about. It's really important. And I can just, I remember situations. I'm embarrassed to say that, that, that there are times when I get really wound up about money. Maybe I've just gotten, uh, you know, I've, I've the stock market's fallen and, you know, what retirement funds I have have, you know, dropped by 20% or I'm just not clear on what an expense is that's here on the credit card statement. And I'll go right to the specifics on it. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. just race past everything you're describing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I know it's, you know, now I know it's a mistake. Yeah. Um, that, but it's, it's so easy to get over-focused on how do I solve this? What's going on right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's it's all what you're describing, Lachelle, is almost counter. It's 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 opposite of our first reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you know you have a money meeting with your partner at a certain time, it makes it much easier to save that urgency, to take a mm-hmm. breath and breathe through it. Okay, we're going to talk about this. We have a way of talking about it, and. I want to enjoy the harmony that my partner and I are having today. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that I've found is that when it becomes a regular habit for couples, it, it also becomes a safe place. So, for mm-hmm. example, when you're dealing with the kind of turmoil and uncertainty that we're having even this week mm-hmm. in, the, in the environment, it, it gives people a place to land and say, oh, I know we're having a meeting about this and I, we can talk about what what I'm worried about if 
we default on our debt, Mm -hmm. if that affects the market, how it affects us. That's right. Yep, yep. You know, I want to uh, shift gears here a little bit and bring in uh, some of the emails that we've been getting this morning. Um, Peter in Florida writes, every year or so, my wife and I discuss creating a budget, but we never get it done. We are saving money and we're paying our bills, but I think we could do better. How can we finally get this budget done? Mm-hmm. You know, what I want the first thing that comes up for me when I hear that is that often when we think of budgets, even when I think of it just now, I think of, oh, cutting out things I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to sit down and think about that or do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wonder about even not, not using the word budget, but yeah. using a different word and saying, how do we want to enjoy our life with money? What do we want to prioritize? What do we care most about, right? Really coming from those values and how we want to manifest that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a client who had exactly the same reaction mm-hmm. when she, she and her her partner were sitting down and he said, I, when we were talking, they said, I think we need a budget. And she said, oh, it feels like I have to go on a diet. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we called it a fun plan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. 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 I know in my practice, in my financial coaching practice, I call it a snapshot. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the idea is to just get a picture, just a, a snapshot of what money looks like as it moves through your house each month. What are, what's, what's its basic pattern? And that's to, to get back to your point, Lachelle, it's like it's not to start making changes right off the bat. It's not to be on a diet or cut back stuff that I enjoy. But it's just starting first with let's get some clarity about reality. What's the reality of money in our household? Yeah, and, and again, that really brings it back to, oh, this is the way we're spending money. Oh, this won't get us to that uh, eco-adventure in Brazil, right? And so, <laughs> much as I like going to that restaurant, I prefer going to Brazil. So, it becomes a choice of abundance and moving towards what you want, rather than, I just have to stop going to that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it becomes, and it becomes a choice of, of supporting values, right? So yeah. I, had, I had another client say to me, it's much easier for me to think about taking my lunch every day if I know that the money that I'm saving is going to get me to Paris. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, right. Yeah. So it's not just coming at, from, a, from a deprivation point of view. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's trade-offs. It's understanding that there are trade-offs. But as you said, Lachelle, it goes back first to identifying what values are being served by current spending and what you want those values to be, mm-hmm. how you want to shift, if you want to shift. So here's another an email from, uh, this is from Martha in Virginia, and it ties into what we're discussing now in terms of keeping track of values and the fear that we're going to get less. And that's for somebody in a, in a divorce. She writes, I'm in the process of divorce. What is the most in thi- mo- what is the most important thing I should keep in mind financially as the process plays out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, coming from the emotional and need side of thing, the first thing that comes up for me there is 
I want to stay grounded in my values. And, you know, those really difficult situations of divorce and dividing money, I think it's easy to move into that conditioning from our history, whatever that conditioning was. And just to keep tracking my own relationship to money. Right, So if I generally have a spacious, abundant relationship to money, something like a divorce can move me into the fear I watched my parents operate out of as a child or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about in that one, if I generally have a fearful relationship with money and now I'm going through a divorce? Yeah. Yeah, I would really want to get um, some very intensive support financial therapist like Brian Farr or <laughs> someone who could really help you to stay grounded through that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So emotionally we, so you, as well as, you know, thinking about the practical things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It seems like what the theme that we keep coming back to is, is finding a way to manage the, the the immediate concerns, our immediate reactions, or even some of the past history that feels shameful or, or uncomfortable. So we don't get caught up in that. We need to keep having a clear sense of what our values are. What is it that our, our real objective here, for, like in a divorce situation, what would we like our life to look like two years from now? Right. And what what can I do to keep myself moving towards that, even in the middle of this frightening situation? Right, and you know, I'm really coming from this framework that we have a lot of wisdom to bring and we know how to access resources. It's only when we get caught in reactivity that we lose touch with that. So coming back to what do I care about, what's the life I want to create, is a non-reactive state. That's a resource state. And when you're in that state, you can remember to use the tools you have or call who you need to call. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, um, if you like when you're driving down the freeway and you get a little bit out of your lane. There's those little bumpers that bump, 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 and remind you to get back in your lane. Yeah, right, right. If, if somehow we could install those, so we're in a grounded resource place, and we start to move towards reactivity, something that wakes us up, something yeah. that says, "Oh, wait a minute, I'm I'm starting to do old patterns here. I'm starting to operate right. from fear," and right. then get ourselves back into that that more grounded. Uh, you know, what our true needs are and what our real purpose for being here in, uh, in this life is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I often, when I'm working with couples, really take a lot of time to study that reactivity so they know, so they recognize it as it comes. Like, so they really feel those bumps when they hit. And they don't uh, okay. have to be riding along in the, on those bumpy parts of the road for a long time. So that's what, say a little bit more about that. So when you're working with a couple, you're tracking that reactivity. You're, you're, you're curious about it. You're trying to understand it. And then I'm assuming that you reflect it back to them so they understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and it's, you know, across the whole spectrum. It can be things they say like, you know, uh, one partner starts asking permission rather than collaborating. Oh, that's a sign we're moving into an old reactive pattern where you see your partner as critical and you imagine you have to get approval and ask permission. There's one pattern really naming that, right? Mm-hmm. Or as I see one partner, they were talking and looking directly at their partner and then more and more they start looking away as they're talking, right? Oh, okay, I'm I'm physically turning my body away from my partner. Oh, that's reactivity coming up. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then just tracking all the things of breathing and physiology and um, movements into distraction, watching more movies, watching more TV, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then what you do is, is make that visible to them so that then they can hopefully start recognizing it in themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. And then they know what to do about that. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I want to come back and notice, well, what needs are really up for me right now and am I taking care of those needs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lachelle, one of the dynamics that I see quite a bit in my work is a partner who has seated financial decisions and control mm-hmm. to to the other partner maybe he or she is the main breadwinner maybe not but but want to sh- and then there's a wanting to shift that relationship at some point when mm-hmm. usually when we're in that conversation mm-hmm. what uh, i'm sure you've run into this but where where do you start with couples in that situation of shifting, it's not a balance of power. It's it really is opening up the conversation and trying out a new dynamic. Yeah, shifting, maybe creating more mutual responsibility. Right. Um, often, what I find in those situations is that there's been some sort of injury, and so the partner who's responsible around money has some sort of fixed idea that my partner made a mistake once in their past and I have to keep that mistake from ever happening again. Uh-huh. So oftentimes we have to go back to that original event and really create a sense of empathy and compassion for what happened, how it happened, and do that healing work and do that repair. And then once that repair has moved through, then we can start to talk about how do we take these baby steps towards um, sharing this responsibility. Okay. We're going to have... The other... Oops. And we're going to need to t- we're going to need to pause here, but I'd like to pick this up right after we come back from break because this sounds like a really powerful piece. So this is Brian Farr. Uh, you are listening to Money in Your Life. We will be back shortly after the break. If you would like to be part of the conversation, please call us at eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero. You have money in your life. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Anne Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Anne's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. 
He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfar.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Brian Farr with my co host Ann Hutchins and our guest, Lachelle Lochardet. Uh, we're talking about couples and money today, and right before the break, we were talking about the the the, sh- the shift in in terms of shifting the dynamics in a couple where they've gotten sort of locked in around money. Michelle, do you want to pick up that again, that subject again? Yeah, Anne was talking about a situation in which one partner handles um, the finances and the other doesn't, and I think an important thing to remember, really, in any dynamic, is that. The behavior is always coming from some intention to contribute to the relationship. Um, even the most costly behaviors are, at the deepest level, coming from an intention to contribute, however misguided. So for the partner who says, I have no interest in handling the money, I don't want to, they may be saying, gosh, if I handle the money, I'm not that good at it, I could make a mistake, and I want to protect um, the security in our family. So I'm going to just stay away from that. And the partner who's saying, I'm not willing for you to work with the money, is likely imagining um, that they are also protecting <clears throat> the family's finances and security because maybe they're very good at it or they're very consistent. And so in any dynamic, we really want to work our way down to what's the value that's pushing that dynamic. And then on the other side, noticing what is it costing us, right? So what does it cost us when you carry all the load for our finances? Might be costing resentment in the relationship over time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like being a Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. as to what's underneath this pattern. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, it's, it also sounds like I love your um the it I have this image of standing up on a balcony and saying, you know, I'm I've been resenting the fact that you make all the financial decisions and what I'm really seeing is that you have the best of intentions of keeping me safe. Yeah. And and I I want to learn and maybe be Maybe that feels like I'm going to be less safe to you, but let's just try. Yeah, and we're, we're hoping to enter into this kind of consciousness where it doesn't have to be an either-or. Either we have safety or collaboration, right? So how can we be mutually responsible and have this mutuality in our relationship and still have that sense of trust and security and safety? That's the question that I'm hoping couples are asking. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that comes back to when we separate the needs from the way we've gone about meeting those needs. That's where the flexibility is. That's where we find this place of, oh, we don't have to do one thing at a cost to another, to another need, right? If we're separating our strategies from our needs, we can really get creative, and we have m- much more creative energy in that space. Mm-hmm. So, Shell, have you ever had a situation where one partner it gets clear on what you're describing, but the other partner just it doesn't come into focus for him? There's a risk there that there's going to be some browbeating or that kind of thing. I'm wondering if the partner who gets clear on it, might it help for them to to write it out possibly or to record it so that they can communicate it to the partner who's not yet on board with it? How how do you work with that situation where there's they're yeah. out of sync? Usually when when you're saying one partner isn't clear, it's probably not about clarity, it's more about fear. So moving to this needs-based consciousness or values-based consciousness requires you to trust a mutual connection around values in order to move forward and have your needs met together. And often we don't trust that. What we trust is the way we've always done things, the way we've always gone about meeting our needs. And so it's a, very, it's, a very, it's a very simple concept, but it's a very big deal to ask each other to let go of the way you've always done things and trust this mutual respect for our needs and this creative process. So the partner who's holding on to that old way of doing things often needs more empathy, more understanding for what they're afraid of and what they want to protect and more reassurance and maybe more baby steps so that trust can be built over time. Sometimes when one partner leaps into an activity, for some reason they have an open channel. For the other partner, it feels like leaping over the Grand Canyon. So they need smaller steps to work towards that shift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, a yeah, lot, creating, and a lot of support. Creating small wins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a piece in here that I'm also hearing that that we talk about resourcing, resourcing for the couples, you know, that the two people sit together in comfortable chairs and they have a good time of day that works. But in a situation like we're talking about now where the couples are out of sync um, in terms of moving forward with this, the individual the individuals need to have resources. The individual needs to be able to say, wow, this is uncomfortable. My partner's not with me right now on this thing. How can I take care of myself while my partner is doing these baby steps to catch up? Or so, not catch up, but so that we can get in, in, in alignment with each other. Mm-hmm. Would you say that, that working with the individuals who are in this thing called a couple? Yeah, and I, you know, and I would offer that often couples are much too isolated. So, you know, if, the, if a couple doesn't have a, a deep community in which they rely on of friends and colleagues to offer that support, I think it puts a lot of pressure on that couple relationship. So, yeah, definitely. Hopefully the individuals are getting their needs met in other realms through friends and through all the way exercise and therapists or mentors, whatever they need to do. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Boy, that rings that rings true. The isolation of the couple uh, is not uncommon. I mean, we've moved away from families as, as mobile as our um, you know our society is, and then the tasks of raising kids or jobs that are very stressful. It sometimes we really just do have our partner. Our, our significant other is, is the main person. And so when we're out of sync with our, our partner, it's, it's really unsettling. Yeah. Yeah, and we can really lose track of what's normal in a couple. And I, um, I love to do couples workshops and classes, and I teach a lot of things and we practice a lot. And one of the most healing parts of those workshops and classes is that the couples see their dynamic in other couples, and there's like this... Oh, it's normal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, relief and acceptance, mm-hmm. compassion mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, dismantling the isolation yeah. that they might be feeling as a couple. We're not doing this right. It's only us that's going through this. To be able to dismantle that and realize, oh, this is this comes with the territory of being in partnership. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The. Um, there was an email here that I looked at earlier. This is Joan from New York City. It's a little bit off. Let me just read it and see if it fits in here. Uh, can you discuss how best to deal with money? Dis- how best to deal with money discussions with an ex-partner? Uh, post-divorce with children to co-parent. We are struggling with serious career and financial decisions. Most importantly, the partner who pays child support and alimony would like to leave New York City where expenses are extremely high and jobs allow for very little flexibility and time for parenting. The other parent does not wish to move. Boy, that's a real life situation there. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. very difficult. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if this couple was sitting in your office, Lachelle, how might you help them start to, to give a, create a framework about what the, the situation is? Well, I think I would start by really, like, I'd hear those. So what you're describing and what she's describing in the email are strategies that are already being proposed, right? The move out of New York, different job, that kind of thing. And so I would really, with my couple, want to back that conversation up to what are the needs that you're hoping to meet with this proposal and really getting clear on those. And in that conversation, there's also, um, you know, the emotion, maybe some fear about, fear about moving on one side and also fear about staying on the other. So just establishing you know, with a with a couple who's not together anymore, we don't have to go deep into the intimacy of that, but establishing a basic sense of empathy and really just holding that couple in the place of, let's revisit as co-parents now, what are our priorities for our family? Okay. What's most important to us? Is it most important that we have that fund for college or is it most important? Is the daily contact with our kids most important, right? Really defining those, those basics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. And it's just, it really, it's the same set of instructions that you would be having with partners, except these are ex-partners. Uh, and they have the co-parenting. Their, sh- their lives are still connected through co-parenting. But they need to 
in an ideal world, they're going to have be able to have this conversation around what's most important to us, what are our values and our needs here, and then make decisions, create their strategies from that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Well, thanks to Joan from uh, New York for uh, sending that one in. Okay, well, let's see. We are getting near the end of our hour, which is always a sad thing for me because I enjoy this so much. Um, I, I want to remember to that it, for those of you who are interested in Lachelle's work, her website is wiseheartpdx.org. So it's wiseheart and then pdx, like the uh, airline handle for Portland, PDX. Org. And uh, so there's more, as Lachelle mentioned, she's, she does classes and workshops, and, uh, and she's got a lot of good, um, she has a weekly blog called the Connection Gem of the Week, which uh, has, has a, I find it very valuable, and I recommend it to my clients and read it myself. So let's see, I got that taken care of. And do you have any other thoughts here as we wrap up? I don't. I think we've covered a lot here, Lachelle, and you've begun to give us and hopefully our listeners some some good tools to start to think about. This is, you know, the money conversation. We we say a lot that the two things that are most difficult for people to talk about are money and sex, and sex is easier to talk about than money. <laughs> so, so thank you for beginning to open up that conversation. We could spend a whole season on this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Okay, yeah. so Lachelle, thank you very much. You're uh, and as Anne just said, you've really, you've, you've done a, you've contributed a lot. And uh, this recording will be available on iTunes. Uh, it's a, available on the uh, Voice America website also. So I'm, I've got a hunch that a lot of people are going to be hearing about this recording and coming back to it and listening to it later. So Lachelle, thank you very much for your time this morning. And I look forward to being in touch with you again. Okay, take care. Okay. Thanks, Lachelle. And can you uh, take a minute here and tell us about next week? I sure can. Next week, we have Dr. Lee Hosner on, and she is a senior managing director at the First Foundation Advisors in Los Angeles. Uh, Dr. Hosner has written several books, Children of Paradise, Successful Parenting for Prosperous Family, Hats Off to You, Balancing Roles and Creating Success in Family Business. Her expertise is really in opening up the conversation for families. And she is, I've, I've met her at a couple of conferences and spoken with her, and she really is delightful oh, and good. has some really good and practical ways to open up the conversation in families, to sort out responsibility in the conversation around money. And it'll be a very lively discussion. So please call in, email your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Excellent. It's, a, uh, it's going to be a good following right on the heels of today. We spoke focused on the couples and money, and then next week we'll have the uh, more focus on the family. And that's our hope with, with our program here, with Money in Your Life. We want to cover all of the realms, that uh, the way that money plays out in our lives, and, and open up the conversation and become more effective in these conversations around money. But we are near the end of our hour for, for today. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The, um, as Anne has said, we will have an, uh, another good guest next week. And so for today, we need to say goodbye. You have money in your life. Have a good week. And we will look forward to hearing, seeing you 
next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for making money in your life part of your financial plan this week. Please join your hosts, Ann Hutchins and Brian Farr, again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.